the devolvement of comedy. They say that mankind has evolved over time. I submit to you that all evolution is not a good thing. Take, for example, the evolution or the de-evolution of humor. Fifty years ago, a red-headed female was forcing large amounts of chocolate candy from an ever-speeding conveyor belt into her mouth. That was considered funny. No sex, no gender, no violence, no insulting commentary. Just a funny-looking, red-headed woman racing to hide candy in her mouth. Three short guys made the world laugh with simple slaps, jabs, and other physical comedy. And many a laugh was generated by true comedians of the early years of television. Some people call it a simpler time because, in fact, it was. Today, unless there is some insult about a person's race or creed or color or religion or political affiliation or where they shop, supposedly there's no humor. But of course, with political correctness, only insults about one side can be allowed. Only bashing of one point of view and the messenger of that point of view can be tolerated. If you bash the wrong side, you can be chided, vilified, or even crucified in the ratings. So be careful. Late night variety shows that appear after the last local news broadcast have devolved from the glorious Tonight Show of yesteryear with Parr and Carson where you would actually see a variety of entertainment from dancing to singing from juggling to dog and pony shows to feats of strength and raw talent. Today those late night shows have devolved into one-sided political jab fests pro one side and definitely anti the other side with little variety at all. Some say we've grown beyond dogs balancing balls on their noses. We've grown beyond jugglers and card tricks. We have far outgrown fire-eating sword swallowers and hula hoop and yo-yo champions or dancers or singers who can actually dance or sing. Many people say, that stuff just isn't funny anymore or it just isn't as entertaining. The fact is, for decades, network television has lost a ton of viewers to cable, to DVRs, VCRs, DVDs, online streaming services, satellite television, and to video sites like YouTube. They've narrowed their viewership to a core group of people to whom they must pander in order to sell certain brands of cars and razor blades and pizza and burgers and TV lawyers and structured settlement payment companies. They've desensitized America to a point where just showing a woman's legs is not enough. Cleavage? Nah. We want to see the whole enchilada. Yeah, that's the right Mexican term we were looking for. We cannot be happy seeing a gun go off in the shooter's hand and hearing a victim's body hitting the floor. No, sir. We need to see the body. We need to see the bullet entering slowly from seven vantage points. We need to see the head snapping backwards, the blood and the brain splatter. Yeah, that's the ticket. 
We're simply not satisfied with what used to satisfy us. It's called desensitization. Talk about a gateway drug. So you've all heard that if you start out with cigarettes, you'll probably end up smoking marijuana. If you start out drinking a beer, you'd probably become a hardcore vodka drinker. And that, of course, would lead to smoking a joint or a blunt, as they call it now, and drinking gin or whiskey straight from the bottle. Of course, that would lead to cocaine and heroin and fentanyl and all the other more lethal drugs, just so you can get the same high that that first drink or that first joint gave you so many years before. You see, the high wears off with each usage more quickly. It takes more of whatever it was that got you high to get you high the next time. Comedians are the same way. Usually starting out as middle children starving for attention at the family Christmas party, they act out or do stupid human tricks just to get a little bit of attention from mom or dad or grandpa or Uncle Fred. Then they move on because the laugh that mom and dad give you just isn't as fulfilling. So they move on to being the class clown in elementary or junior high school, hoping to get a laugh from a bunch of classmates to validate themselves. From there, they go on to college to improv night at the local pub, where getting a laugh means forever changing their act, hoping to move up to amateur night at the corner comedy club. One day, they luck out and land a bit part in a TV show where the laughs come from a machine and they actually think they're funny. A few of them actually hit the big time. A network gig after the last local newscast where they can do and say whatever the media moguls tell them to do and say. Not word for word, mind you, not a script prepared for them, but a general guidance that tells them in which direction the network news department is heading. They, along with a team of writers, sit in an office all day with their network guidance and headlines on multiple computer screens and write one-liners for the host to weave into some pseudo-comedic monologue with the late light flashing above their heads saying, laugh, for the stage audience to obey upon command. Back in the good old days, a comedian might occasionally interject a small joke about a president hitting his head on an airplane door frame or tripping while walking. It got a chuckle, but they moved on to things that were actually funny. But, like any other drug or alcohol, these so-called comedians who get their high in the form of laughs decided somewhere along the way that a cheap laugh could come by bashing and slashing a president 24 hours a day, non-stop. That would certainly get them the laughs they craved. It used to be that Americans had something called respect for the office of the presidency, but apparently that only comes every other president, depending on the political affiliation. We didn't spend every minute of every day on every channel trying to find things to be disrespectful of the office of the president or of the character of the holder of that office. Today, the late night talk show hosts have created an audience base of people that support their political and social views, and they pack them in to provide the high on command.
When that applause light flashes, the sheeple in the audience of late-night shows respond just as if Pavlov just rang his bell. And when the laugh light flashes, the sheeple in the audience respond in kind. They laugh as if uncontrollably, as the performing clown behind the microphone bloviates on about his or her dislike of a particular president or senator. And the audience belly laughs as soon as the laugh light flashes. When the host or hostette has a guest on that supports their point of view, the audience applauds wildly on cue whenever that person says something that the host agrees with and laughs wildly when the guest bashes the opposing point of view. I wonder what the actual treat is that they are receiving. The laugh-o-meter measures how many laughs per minute the host receives and advertising revenues and rates are measured based on that laugh count. If you remember Oprah, the treat was, in her later years of the show, the hope of an audience member of a massive giveaway to her selected audience members. Perhaps the audience now, craving their 15 seconds of fame, is sitting there in the hopes that the camera might just pan their way for three seconds or so, so they can go home to their like-minded friends and say, look at me, I'm on TV. We sometimes see the dystopian future television shows or movies where the audience is whipped into a bloodthirsty frenzy hoping to see a live execution or something even crazier just to get ratings. You might remember the movie The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Richard Dawson. Or how about that movie Death Race? People are hoping for that same type of reaction by a live studio audience. And that's what the late-night so-called comedian is seeking, especially when they can carve up a politician who doesn't agree with their, or their network's, political point of view. Earlier, I mentioned Lucy, the Three Stooges, and early comedy. Back then, if you turned the volume all the way down on Mo, Larry, and Curly, or even Lucy, you could still see the humor. Yes, it's silly, it's slapstick physical comedy, but it's still funny. If you turn down the volume on Conan, Colbert, Fallon, or any of the other late-night mouthpieces for a particular political party, I would venture to say that there's nothing funny to see there. There's always a benefit to stirring the pot, a benefit to all sides. One benefit is that you might just learn something. Another benefit is I too might learn something. Agitators, those who stir the pot for the purpose of stirring the pot, do so for their own enjoyment, their own high, their own 15 minutes of fame. In this program, I give you my opinion. And it is my opinion, therefore I retract nothing. If you disagree, I invite you to turn it off. Or you can start your own podcast. But remember, in the end... The truth hurts. You are listening to the Truth Hurts program. Here is your host, Steve Z. If you stop and think about everything happening here in the good old U.S. of A., 
you might believe that there are only two sides to every story. Actually, there are many more sides. At last count, there were over 327 million sides to our American story. On this program, we'll take a look at different stories from a different point of view. Mine. Hopefully, after listening, absorbing, and actually thinking about what you hear, it might just become your point of view as well. I'm Steve, and this is The Truth Hurts.